excited about our next guest. He is the longtime voice of University of Arizona Athletics and has been since 1987. He's got a wealth of knowledge in the world of sports broadcasting. And for practical purposes this evening, uh, he's joining us as well on the phone lines to discuss Oregon and Arizona, which is coming up Saturday afternoon on the tail end of the Ducks' trip to the desert. He is Brian Jeffries joining us on the Quack Attack here on 1029 750 The Game. Brian, how you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you. we got a little uh, Oregon weather here right now. It's been raining today, which is, of course, unusual for us, but uh, we like it. Uh, this basketball season, first of all, for the state of Arizona, uh, you've been with the Wildcats for 30 years now. 31. Is, is this your 31st season behind the mic for Arizona? Uh, yeah, 30th doing uh, football and basketball. Wow, that's incredible. Given the fact that Arizona State and Arizona are both so talented and playing at such a high level this year, what kind of vibes have you gleaned from the state as a basketball state this year as opposed to years past? Well, of course, Arizona has been a you know top-notch program for decades now, and so that's really nothing new. Uh, Arizona State's emergence has certainly been one of the surprises, I think, in college basketball. And Yes, it's actually good for the state, and believe it or not, uh, maybe not the Arizona fans, but I think the, the coaches like the fact that Arizona State has a strong program because in years past when they haven't, uh, too many teams, I'm talking about conference teams, could come to the state and overlook Arizona State and do all their preparations aimed at trying to beat Arizona at McHale Center. So having two strong programs here, that means everyone that makes the stop here uh, at both schools during conference play has to prepare, I think, equally for both in their radically different teams in the way they go about things. So it's quite a challenge now, I think, this season for all the other Pac-12 teams to make the trip down here to the Grand Canyon State. And like I said, the Arizona coaches actually like the idea that Arizona State is a stronger program than it has been in the past. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how that dynamic you're referring to affects the Oregon-Arizona game Saturday afternoon, considering that the Ducks will have just uh, tried to keep pace with Bobby Hurley's squad on Thursday night. Brian Jeffries joining us, the voice of the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Brian, Arizona 12-4, and 2-1 and one for their start in Pac-12 play, and that defeat just came this past weekend at the hands of the Colorado Buffaloes, 80-77. to 77. Um, You've seen this team, obviously, all year from their, their struggles in the Bahamas uh, to where they are now, and that loss just snapped a nine-game win streak. So in, in your eyes and in your opinion, where is this team at right now in terms of their form? Well, I think uh, before Saturday's loss, uh, they were playing very good basketball. You mentioned they'd won nine straight. Uh, I think that uh, that was a little bit of a shock to the system and take nothing away from Colorado. They had a great weekend. They beat both Arizona schools at home. Uh, but uh, I saw some of the same things in the Arizona team that I saw down in the Bahamas, and that was just lack of defensive effort. And it's a, this is a very good Arizona offensive team. Maybe, in fact, it might go beyond maybe. It probably is the best offensive team that Sean Miller's had in nine years at Arizona. But defensively, they were nowhere close to some of the better teams that he's had. And that's what hurt them in the Bahamas. It's, it's hurt them in some other games they've been able to win. And this is another game where, in the first half in particular, they just didn't have the effort needed to play good man-to-man defense. Colorado took advantage of it, had a 20-point lead in the first half, and even though Arizona came back and closed within a possession uh, on the road to be that far behind, it's it's a tough nut to crack. So uh, that's where they are right now. It's a very talented offensive team, uh, but at the same time, it's a team that's trying to find its identity on the defensive side. And if they do, if they can find some consistency 
on the defensive side. I think the Wildcats can be still one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I was reading Sean Miller's comments after the loss to Colorado, and it raised my eyebrows, frankly, because you know you could have pointed to a lot of different factors as reasons why Arizona struggled in Boulder. Namely, it's a tough place to play, and Colorado plays well at home, and it wasn't that far removed from a tough win at Salt Lake and the elevation, but... Sean Miller had some pretty self-critical comments, some bold comments about himself saying he didn't have his team ready. Was that is that typical of Sean Miller after a defeat to take it upon himself like that, or did you make anything of those comments? Well, I yeah, I I, I don't know that there's anything that I saw in particular, other than the fact trying to our coach trying to motivate his team, uh, going to practice daily, watching them play. I didn't get the sense, at least going into that ball game, and based on what I saw Friday in the practice, that they were any less prepared than they had been all season long. I don't know if it was the early start, elevation, quick turnaround. I think it was more just the, the team, and you can say pretty much as a whole, just wasn't ready to play. And, you know, the coach, some coaches want to take that upon themselves and say, okay, well, maybe I didn't kick their, you know what, hard enough. Uh, getting ready for this ball game. Maybe I thought that they were playing too well. They won nine straight games. I don't think that Sean Miller relaxed at all in his preparation. I saw the same that they've done for every game, but you know, maybe the guys just didn't uh, take heed, didn't realize what they were in for. Again, I'm not trying to make excuses. Colorado was the better team that day, and they deserved to win. Uh, but Sean Miller was just very upset with the way that his guys approached the game, and I think he wanted to let it be known that uh, he's probably going to have to crack the whip a little more here this week to get him back where he wants him. Brian Jeffries joining us here on the Quack Attack. He's the voice of the Arizona Wildcats. Brian, watching DeAndre Ayton play this year has been uh, just fascinating. The seven foot one big man from the Bahamas. His skill set's very impressive, averaging over 20 points a game and over 11 and a half rebounds a game as well. What have your impressions been of watching DeAndre play this year, and are there any other comparisons of his game that you can make to, to other players that you've seen? Uh, none at Arizona, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a guy at seven foot one that can do what he does, no. They've never had anyone come through the program anywhere close to that. Obviously, there have been some great players, but most of them have been guards and, and wing players, and, and they've had some good big men. But they've never had a guy at seven foot one that has the skill set that you talked about. Somebody that never lifted weights, uh, but and yet is innately strong, has a great court sense. Uh, he's got 25 or 30 assists now on the season, which is rare for a guy his size. Uh, he's not selfish. Uh, he he can jump out of the building. Uh, he can hurt you inside. He's got a pretty good face-up jumper to 18 feet. Uh, he's potentially the number one pick in the NBA draft, and the more scouts that I talk to, the more of them are impressed. And the fact that, gosh, the guy's a freshman. I mean, he's only played, what, 16 games now, and imagine what it'll be like by the end of the season. So uh, it's something special, once in a generation, man-child, you throw the cliche in there you want. Uh, he is uh, something that Sean Miller says he's never had before and may never have again to have someone of that talent at that size. And so... Arizona fans better enjoy him because they've got another half season to go before he's going to be paid you know, millions to play in the NBA. And that's one of the young stars on this year's roster. But how about some of the seasoned vets that, that stand out? There are some key seniors like a Parker Jackson Cartwright, like a Dusan Ristic, uh, even um, 
Uh, Alonzo Trier is not a senior. He's a junior, but he's a, a well-seasoned player. Uh, what kind of leadership exists on this year's Wildcats roster? Well, that's one of the, I think, question marks going into the season, and it might still be a bit of a question mark. Uh, Parker and Dusan are, are both, as you mentioned, seniors, but they lead by example. They're not the most vocal guys in the world. Uh, Alonzo might be a little more vocal. I think Raleigh Alkins might be the leader that they've been looking for just because of his toughness, and he's not afraid to speak up. But having a senior point guard is very important, and you uh, you couple Parker with uh, Alonzo on the backcourt and, and Raleigh Alkins, those three guys really make up the three-guard lineup, and you know that's a pretty strong set. Uh, Dusan has been incredibly consistent. You know he's not going to be, uh, you know he, he's not going to be a big star. Let's put it that way, and he doesn't need to be and doesn't want to be. Uh, he's from Serbia. He'll probably go back and play in Europe next year. He's going to get his degree. Uh, he's all about showing up for practice and being the same every single day. And so if they can get 10 points and six rebounds out of him a night, that's exactly what they're looking for. And it gives Arizona two seven-footers down low, and that's a tough matchup for a lot of teams. And so uh, those guys are very valuable, but uh, you know, I think Sean's been able to go about eight or nine deep now. And uh, the more that some of the younger guys get going, it's going to help the, the older guys. This team was second ranked in the country at one point prior to the you know Bahamas trip, and they're kind of working their way back into form. And you mentioned it earlier, Brian, if they can find that defensive consistency in terms of their ceiling, is this team capable of making not only a deep run in the tournament, but perhaps something all the way to the Final Four? Well, a lot of people had them pegged for you know, a Final Four-level team before the season started, and you know when they hit that bump down there in the Bahamas. Certainly, I think uh, some folks were scratching their head. Uh, I still think that there's that possibility. Uh, I've been around this game long enough to know that when you get into the NC tournament, a lot of it has to do with matchups and location, etc. cetera. Uh, luck certainly comes into play. Uh, Arizona's had some talented teams before that haven't made it to the Final Four. They've had less talented teams that have made it to the Final Four. So, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and predict anything. Uh, I think again, if if this team continues to improve, uh, they're going to be in the mix to get there. And you know, looking around college basketball right now, I just don't know that there is a. I don't think there's a super team. I'm not sure that there's four teams right now that you could point out and say, "Wow, they're heads above everyone else." I think that um, parity is set in. The one thing that uh, that could hurt Arizona if the Wildcats play well down the stretch here over the second half of the season, how strong is the Pac-12 going to be this year? They need to be pushed. Uh, they need some Pac-12 teams to kind of separate themselves and improve their RPI because that goes into seeding, et cetera. So there's so much to be decided between now and March. But to answer your question, yeah, Arizona's got a chance. If they stay healthy and, and get better on the defensive side, they, they've got a chance. Now, we're the home of the Ducks, but we're also keeping an eye on Oregon State basketball as well, uh, given their recent success. How do you see tomorrow night's matchup when Arizona hosts the Beavers? Well, I, uh, you know, I'm, in some ways I'm happy for Wayne Tinkle that he's got a healthy team because last year you don't want to go through anything like that where you have injuries left and right and you can, you know, barely put a team on the court and uh, they just, they struggle. And there's, you know, teams have those nightmare seasons and you feel bad for them, you really do. And so uh, in some ways, like I said, I'm, I'm glad they're a healthy team. They're going to come down here at full strength and playing good basketball. They've won eight of their last 10. Uh, they've got Stephen Thompson uh, fully healthy now this year and obviously Trace Tinkle, their leading scorer. 
And so it looks like a solid basketball team. I'm interested to see them because they've got some young guys, too, that really helped lift them to this 10 wins so far. It'll be their first conference road game. And I know looking at Oregon State over the last couple of years, that's where they really struggle is on the road. So that's going to be a test for them uh, tomorrow night. But uh, at the same time, uh, I think Arizona's got to find a way to bounce back from Saturday. So that makes it an intriguing matchup going in. Brian Jeffries, voice of the Wildcats, joining us here on 1029 750 The Game. Brian, you've been the voice since 1987. From what I'm reading, you've been in the Tucson area since 1980. But back before then, you had some Pacific Northwest ties with your uh, first radio DJ job up in Yakima in central Washington. What were your memories of uh, being based out here in the Pacific Northwest? Well, like anybody that gets their first job in uh, radio, uh, you're not making much money and you're doing everything. And so I was the uh, morning disc jockey, uh, I was the news guy, and I was the sports guy. So uh, high school football, basketball, American Legion baseball, play-by-play, uh, like I said, uh, you know, playing rock and roll music in the morning, going down to City Hall and gathering the news for the noon newscast. The uh, owner of the station had a horse that uh, was boarded right outside the station, believe it or not, and one of our jobs on the weekend was to feed the horse. So it's, uh, it was <laughs> great small-town radio. Uh, I'll, you know, it's something that uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I went through. I really did. I, I tell a lot of people that are trying to get into this business, uh, there's nothing wrong with starting out at the bottom like that because you can make a lot of mistakes and learn a lot of things. And, I sure did. And so, yeah, I have a lot of roots in, in the Northwest. Uh, aunt and uncle that have lived down in the Portland area. I visited uh, West Lynn for, for many, many years. And so, it's um, you know, that's my home up in the Northwest. It's always fun to go back, although I've been here a long, long time. But, uh, yeah, getting into radio, it's, it's fun. It, now you look back at it and you say, boy, that was a lot of fun. When, when it was going on, you're saying, how am I going to make it to the next paycheck? <laughs> because that's, that's kind of the, the early stages in small-town radio. As for your career with the Wildcats, you've seen so many uh, athletic achievements there for the University of Arizona, including 1987, or, or excuse me, 1988, the first Final Four trip for the men's basketball team and the 1997 national title, national championships for the baseball team as well. Um, you know, what stands out? I mean, obviously, that's an unfair question. Over 30 years, what are some of your favorite memories? Can you co- condense that in 60 seconds? So I'm sorry yeah, to put yeah, you on the spot, but uh, yeah. what, 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 do you, uh, what do you think about when you think of 30 years of Arizona athletics that you've seen? Well, I've just been very lucky and very blessed to be around some great people and some great coaches and a, a lot of success in all three sports. And uh, that's something you kind of pinch yourself because not every play-by-play announcer gets to do that. And so the first, uh, the first Final Four in 1988, I think when Arizona beat North Carolina at the Kingdom in Seattle to win the regional championship and go to the Final Four, that's one that stands out because you only, that only happens once to a school when they get that first Final Four. Uh, national championships in baseball, uh, always fun. I love going to Omaha any chance we get. And, uh, you know, football has had, hasn't been in the Rose Bowl yet, uh, but has had some outstanding seasons, including the best season in school history. And so, and football is a very special sport, in particular in the Pac-12, maybe not in bowl season this year, but uh, you always look forward to the fall, and Arizona will have a new coach as well to look forward to this coming fall. Uh, Before I let you go, Brian, I want to ask you about um, one player in particular that has come through Arizona because of just how fascinating he is as an NBA head coach to listen to and to cover, and and that's Steve Kerr. And um, 
you know, I know that his career at Arizona was a unique one given his uh, personal circumstances that he had to work through. But what were your memories of Steve Kerr as a player coming through Tucson? Well, keep in mind that when uh, Lute Olson recruited him, he really wasn't recruiting him. Uh, Lute and his, his first wife, Bobby, had gone to see another player at a high school game. And the story goes that Bobby kind of nudged Lute and said, well, what about that blonde kid over there? What do you think of him? And Lute was not there to see Steve, but watched him play and was intrigued with uh, his savvy on the court. He may not have been the biggest, fastest guy in the world, but uh, he just loved the way he played the game. And so, yeah, he offered him a scholarship, and and Steve took it, and the rest is is kind of history. And uh, Steve is one of the most beloved players here, even before he came coach of the Warriors. Uh, So much respect, because here's a guy, again, that was overlooked but uh, worked his rear end off got into the NBA, didn't figure he was going to last more than a season, ended up getting championship rings with the Bulls, and then progressing and now on to a fantastic coaching career. It doesn't surprise me, knowing Steve as long as I have, just because he's a very extremely intelligent young man, maybe not young anymore, but uh, he knows the game so well, and he's a tremendous people person. He relates so well to everyone, and that's why in the NBA, as you know, that that is a a tough part of the job, but I think that's one reason the Warriors have been successful. Yes, they've got talent. Steve's an outstanding X and O's guy, but he relates so well to the players that they love playing for him. Brian Jeffries, he's the voice of the Wildcats, has been for over three decades now. Brian, thanks for being so generous with your time. We appreciate you joining the Quack Attack here on 1029 and 750 The Game, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you very much.